You remember when the Packers signed Seth Roberts? Barely. I, I, uh, not Seth Rollins. No, there's a big difference. Seth Rollins is the wrestler, the Monday Night Messiah. Uh, Seth Roberts. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. I woke up this morning with a brand new lease on life. Well, okay, well, maybe maybe not brand new, but different than yesterday, right? A new lease on life compared to yesterday and Tuesday. This has been a very tiring week. It's been a very weird week, right? Like, it was great. Yeah, the Packers blew out the Bears 41-25. As amazing as it is to watch your favorite team blow out their rival by 25 points, what are we supposed to talk about, right? Like, I... I have nothing to complain about, nothing to be critical of, nothing to build on. Like, I, it, Packers, it, like Vikings fans, Bears fans, if you're listening, just know it's not always easy when your team just wins in a blowout every single week. It's not easy, right? It's just same song, different verse, week after week. It's it's exhausting in a good way. And then we had the Badgers blown out Green Bay. Yeah, Green Bay's not as good as Wisconsin. What am I, what am I supposed to say about that? Right? And then yesterday, the Steelers and the Ravens playing it. 2.30 in the afternoon. What am I What am I supposed to do with that? Am I supposed to commentate the Steelers and the Ravens as it happens during my show? Like, it's it's been a very different week. Let's put it that way. And I woke up this morning excited because today we have Brewers news to talk about. And I love the Packers. I love the Bucks. I love the Badgers. And I'm not saying that I love the Brewers more than all my other teams. But wouldn't you agree that sometimes just a little baseball talk, just it just hits different, doesn't it? BSing about your favorite baseball team, about the the, the starting rotation and the bullpen and who's playing third base. Like, just nothing beats some good baseball talk. So I'm excited today. We have some Brewers news. They traded Corey Knebel last night. That surprised a lot of people. They retained a couple other players, Orlando Arcia, Omar Narvaez, just to name a few. So I'm, I'm very excited to be able to talk some Brewers. We'll get into that coming up at 530. So please be patient. I can't wait. It's going to be a blast. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. So glad that you've tuned today, or tuned in today, rather. Glad to have you, and you're always welcome to join. Text me, 608-796-2558. If you're on Twitter, you can tweet me, at Wisco Grant. If you'd like to follow me so you can keep up with what I'm doing, you know, not during the show, uh, if you're interested. Let's see what I've been tweeting about uh, the last couple of days. I tweeted about the Corey Canable trade this morning. Uh, so if you follow me on Twitter, you, you get a little bit of a tease, a little bit of a sneak peek about how I feel about that. Uh, just a spoiler alert. I know we're not talking about the Brewers till 430, but I am not happy about the Corey Knable trade. Uh, I tweeted a snarky remark about Steelers fans yesterday uh, and tweeted about my favorite songs and artists on Spotify. So if you want to follow me at Wisco Grant, if that sounds appealing, that's where you can uh, keep in touch with me, not only during the show, but... You know, the rest of my miserable life as well as I watch my sports teams and, you know, prepare for the show, watch sports, all all those kinds of things. We're going to talk to two tremendous guests today, two heavy hitters, two two cleanup hitters. If we're talking baseball, both cleanup hitters when they join the show. David Gasper of Reviewing the Brew coming up at 445. And then our good friend, Radio Joe, executive producer of The Bill Michaels Show. He will join us coming up at 530. I don't really know what we're going to talk about with Radio Joe. We're probably going to hit everything, right? Every time that I have Radio Joe on, because he speaks with 
the great state of Wisconsin every day, right? 16, 17, 18. I don't even know how many stations the Bill Michael show is on anymore. It just keeps growing every day. So I, I kind of want to touch on a little bit of everything with Joe. We'll probably start with the Bucks or the Brewers, talk a little Packers, talk a little Badgers, just get a nice little tease of, uh, of everything, a, a buffet, if you will, right? We'll get a, a little taste of, of Joe's opinion on all of our sports teams. So that's coming up at 5.30. To start today, I want to talk about the Packers before we get into the Brewers. It is Packers season. You know, we only have five games left. It feels like we just started the season two or three weeks ago. But we're coming up on the postseason. The MVP argument is heating up, right? All those all those important topics and storylines that come about once December starts. It's amazing to think that it's December. It's December 3rd already. My God, it feels like March still. It feels like the Packers just blew out the Vikings or beat up on the Vikings in week one just a couple of weeks ago. But yet here we are with only five games remaining. And before we get to the Brewers, I, I wanted to have conversation about Aaron Rodgers because it was his birthday yesterday and we barely even talked about it. Right, We talked a little bit about the Packers yesterday, but we really didn't talk much about Aaron Rodgers, his birthday, right? what he's accomplished. And I'm not trying to get all sentimental here, but I do want to talk about the quarterback position because the Packers have found themselves um, in, in quite the pickle with their two quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers and their latest first-round pick, Jordan Love. Before we get into that, I wanted to share with you what Aaron Rodgers had to say yesterday during his press conference about his birthday. Very reflective and I think... Very well-spoken with lots of good perspective. So this is Aaron Rodgers. It's about a minute and 30 seconds long. So you can hear him tell the story of his time in Green Bay and now at 37 years old, uh, as a, still as a member of the Green Bay Packers all these years later. Here you go. A lot of emotions over the years. You know, when uh, Oakland traded up, I thought I was going to be going to Oakland on draft day. Um, when there were rumors about me being traded for Randy Moss, I thought that might be a possibility. Uh, after the 07 season, I never thought Favre would retire. Um, once I became a starter, uh, you know, I thought I was going to have the gig for a while. Um, didn't, you know, haven't had thoughts, I'd say, in the last eight or ten years about doing anything other than this, for sure. Knew I, uh, this is what I've, I've wanted to do and, and be the quarterback here. It's been a dream come true. You know, I've, I've grown up in the city. I was drafted at 21 years old. So I've had a lot of birthdays here. So I feel really, really fortunate to have spent so much time here, to be a resident of the great state of Wisconsin, to live to, you know, in this city and the surrounding cities for so many years. Got to know some great people that live here. Um, I've enjoyed, you know, all my teammates I've played with. I've enjoyed running out of the tunnel, uh, which is different this year without the introductions. Um, but I've really enjoyed uh, all the special moments here, so many of them. And like I said, I just feel really fortunate to have grown up here, you know, and and, uh, and just had a lot of a lot of great memories that I've made here that I'll take with me one day. Um, hopefully, that day isn't uh, too soon. But um, yeah, if you had told that 21-year-old you'd be still sitting here at 37, I'd. Uh, be pretty happy about that, as happy as I am today to still be here. It's a nice summary, right, of Aaron Rodgers since the time he was drafted, thinking he might be traded, and then, geez, you know, Favre's never going to retire, and, you know, celebrating birthday after birthday. And it is kind of a crazy thought, right? He's been in the league almost 20 years to, to look back and think that, you know, at age 21, if I would have known that I was still quarterback in the Green Bay Packers at age 37, that's that's pretty solid. Right now, some people would be critical, say only one Super Bowl. Right, they haven't accomplished enough. I, 
you know, it, it's an accomplishment in and of itself to play in the NFL for that long. And I think that goes over my head. That might go over your head. It doesn't seem to go over Aaron Rodgers' head. Uh, and, and it was nice to hear. I mean, just praise the state of Wisconsin, too. How great is that? Come on, we're, we're blushing, Aaron. Please. You're too kind. Doesn't, doesn't he sound just like a terrible teammate, by the way? Just sounds like a jerk. Tough to get along with, right? Prickly personality, passive-aggressive. Right, just think of all the coaches that he's had fired in his time in Green Bay. Oh, yeah, that's right. He's only had two two coaches. Just two. That's right. I don't know. I I wish the narrative around Aaron Rodgers reflected reality a little bit more. Like, like think of what's going on in Tampa Bay right now with Tom Brady and Bruce Arians. They're kind of at each other's throats. Bruce Arian taking shots at his quarterback. Tom Brady not happy with what's going on down there. We don't talk about that. We don't say a peep about that. We got Aaron Rodgers. He's the prickly one. He's the one that's difficult to get along with, despite only having two head coaches in his really, really long career as quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. We spent a lot of time yesterday talking about the Packers quarterback position, right? Both Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love. Right, and obviously Aaron Rodgers won two MVPs, won a Super Bowl. A little bit different spot in his career than Jordan Love. Jordan Love, obviously, the first-round pick. I don't really know what the future holds for the quarterback position in Green Bay. I don't really know what Brian Gutekunst is going to do. I don't know if he knows what he's going to do right now. I don't think he expected Aaron Rodgers to play that well this year. And I think maybe as well as Aaron Rodgers is playing, I think maybe it even goes over my head, goes over our heads a little bit, exactly how good he's been at age now 37. And I I, I think I'm pretty fair when I praise Aaron Rodgers. I don't think I go out of my way to heap praise on him just to heap praise on him. Uh, I, I wrote it down in my notes when I was watching the Packers-Bears game on Sunday night. That before the game, man, all the announcers could do is just praise Aaron Rodgers. Praise Aaron Oh my God, he's playing amazing. He's playing so good. And yeah, he is having a good season, right? But all they could do was just bow down at the feet of Aaron Rodgers. And I'm, I'm sitting on my couch thinking, wait a minute. This is Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback in the team that lost last week to the Colts. And Aaron Rodgers in the second half especially wasn't all that great. Yeah, he made some great throws, but he made some mistakes too. And the offense went quiet at the most important time, and they ended up blowing a big lead in Indy. Like, and it was weird to me that a week week later, Mike Tirico and Chris Collinsworth and come or Tony Dungy, I guess, who was doing color, right? Just praise, 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 praise. Sometimes I think Aaron Rodgers is just praised blindly, and I don't think that's a good thing because right now in a season like this, Aaron Rodgers is having some career high numbers. This season has been unreal. I didn't think he had this in him. I, I didn't think he had a season like this left. And he's playing so well. And I think just we've kind of gotten toned up to the praise of Aaron Rodgers to the point where we don't even notice it. Like, oh, yeah, he's still Aaron Rodgers. He's still playing well. No, he's playing really, really well. One of the best seasons of his career. And I think to set aside statistics for just a second, I think it's impressive the way that he's adjusted his play style to become the best version of himself at age 36 now, as of yesterday, age 37. And this is something that we talked about extensively on this show uh, three or four weeks into the season when the Packers were undefeated and and everything was looking perfect and smooth sailing. That was before the Tampa loss and before some injuries. And, you know, there's been ups and downs. There's ups ups and downs in, in every NFL season. But I remember early on through three or four games, something we talked about extensively, how Aaron Rodgers has adjusted his play style to be the best version of himself, not holding on to the ball not scrambling, not extending plays when he doesn't need to extend plays, checking the ball down at times, right? Taking the easy throw rather than always looking for the deep pass. 
fitting inside an offense and not being afraid to be a game manager. And game manager is a dirty word, right? We hear game manager and, and we think of it as a diss at, at a quarterback, right? Alex Smith, he's a game manager, right? Think about like Jared Goff. Jared Goff is a game manager. Well, there's there's different kinds of game managers. And in, in a sense, in 2020, Aaron Rodgers has become a game manager or become more of a game manager than he's ever been before. He's just become a really, really good game manager because he's the kind of manager that can run the offense, right? Hand the ball off, dump the ball down, check the ball down, hit the wide receiver on the open route when he's supposed to be open on the route, right? Run the offense, but Aaron Rodgers can also check correctly into a different play at the line of scrimmage. He can recognize things and recognize tendencies and patterns at the line of scrimmage that Alex Smith, Jared Goff, I mean, back in the day when Mark Sanchez was on the Jets, you'd probably consider a quarterback like Mark Mark Sanchez a a game manager. Aaron Rodgers just mentally has a leg up on those quarterbacks and physically as well, right? When the scheduled play doesn't work, when that wide receiver isn't open, right? Rodgers can improvise. He can extend the play a little bit with his legs, not as much as he used to be, uh, but he still can do it. And, And he can give a wink and a nod to Devontae Adams or a wink and a nod to Aaron Jones and, and make it work. Even when the play that was called doesn't work. And, and Aaron Rodgers, to his credit, I didn't think he had it in him at age 36, 37 has become a game manager. He's just a really, really good one, a really good game manager. And it's this adaptation and collaboration. I think with Matt LaFleur that has allowed the Packers to go eight and three, allowed Rodgers to be an MVP candidate and allowed the Packers offense to be excellent. Right? Remember last year the Packers offense was middle of the road. It was it was fine. They were winning games and they went 13 and 3. But their offense last year wasn't anything like it is this year in 2020. And I think it's Aaron Rodgers that has adapted his game a little bit and been willing to collaborate and fit in with Matt LaFleur and his offense. He's got a 68.5% completion percentage. If that holds, that would be a career high, even better than in 2011 when I th- I think he finished at about 68.3%. So it's close. But 68.5, which is where he is right now in 2020, that would be a career high. He has 26 completions this season of 20 more yards, 20 or more yards down the field, right? Pro Football Focus has him graded at 93, which is the best of all quarterbacks right now. I mean, just look at the Bears defense for an example, right? The Bears defense is an excellent example. That Bears defense is a great situational defense, meaning on third long, they're great at rushing the passer. They're great in the red zone. Right? They're great on third down. And Aaron Rodgers dismantled them like a like a washer-dryer repairman. He just stepped in. He's like, all right, I'm going to take this apart. Yep, take this part off. Got his wrench and his drill. Just taking it apart piece by piece while he whistles. Whistling while he works. That's how easy he made it look. Right On third down, he was 6-7 for 59 yards and a touchdown. Red zone, he was 4-5 for 30 yards and three touchdowns. Play action, 7-9 of nine for 70 yards and three touchdowns. I mean... He made that Bears defense look like a college, high school defense. That's how good he was on Sunday night, for example. That's been a theme, by and large, for most of the season. And he's reaching career milestones as well. He had 50,000 passing yards on Sunday. And he did so while only throwing 88 interceptions. CBS Sports shared the statistic a couple of days ago. The number of interceptions some other quarterbacks have had when they crossed that 50,000 pass yard mark. Tom Brady at 136, Peyton Manning, 180, Drew Brees, 173, Aaron Rodgers, 88. Aaron Rodgers playing out of his mind. I think better than even the biggest Aaron Rodgers fans believe that he would. So what is Brian Gutekind supposed to do now? 
Let's keep talking about the Packers quarterback position. We're going to kind of rehash some interesting points that were made on this show yesterday. And don't worry, we're going to get into the Brewers and what they've been up to. That's coming up in about 15 minutes as well. A lot of fun coming up on the Wisco Sports Show. Some good guests, good baseball talk. Thank God, I can't wait. I'm excited. Don't go anywhere. More of the Wisco Sports Show after. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. Thanks for hanging out. Happy Thursday, basically to the weekend, right? Close enough. My name is Grant Bills. I am your host. 608-796-2558. If you want to text and say, hey, you can. You can tweet at me, of course, at Wisco Grant as well. Rob in Stoddard texting in about some Hall of Fame candidates. Charles Woodson, Leroy Butler. Look, Leroy Butler should absolutely be in the Hall of Fame. Charles Woodson's going to make it, no doubt. Just two amazing football players. Charles Woodson, probably my favorite football player, favorite Packer I've ever watched other than Aaron Rodgers. There's just very few defensive players in in league history, let alone right now, that just attract the football like a magnet. Like they, they seem to have a football magnet in their fingers. Charles Woodson was one of those guys. Super fun to watch players like that. Yeah, he'll be first ballot Hall of Famer, absolutely. And I'm sure at some point, next couple of weeks and months, we'll talk about Hall of Fame candidates, and I'm sure I'll need to get angry about Leroy Butler at some point. That's just tradition at this point until Leroy Butler gets in. We're talking Packers, and coming up in 10 or 15 minutes, we're going to talk Brewers, and I am so, so excited. Because talking baseball in the offseason, there's not much better arguing about the bullpen or the starting rotation or why the Brewers are cheap, something like that. It's it's really fun to BS about baseball. And I'm excited to talk Brewers coming up. We'll talk to David Gasper of Reviewing the Brew coming up at 445. In the meantime, we're talking Packers, and we're talking Packers quarterbacks. And we kicked around a fun hypothetical yesterday about what what Brian Gutekunst is going to do at quarterback uh, because he has backed himself into an interesting corner here. I don't really know what he's going to do. He drafted Jordan Love in the first round, seemingly under the assumption that Aaron Rodgers' time as the Packers quarterback is is short, and it's shrinking, right? You, you don't trade up to take a quarterback in the first round because you want to improve the backup quarterback position. That's not what you do. If you want to improve the backup, you either sign a veteran, right, or you get somebody off waivers, or you draft Brett Hundley in the fifth round, right? Now, I would argue that drafting a backup in the fifth round is a bad plan. I think we saw that play out pretty clearly with Brett Hundley when Aaron Rodgers got hurt a couple of years ago. I don't think you should ever draft a quarterback with the hope of improving your backup spot. I don't. I don't think young green arms are, are what you want in the backup quarterback role, but that's just my opinion, and that's not what we're talking about, right? They didn't draft Jordan Love to be the backup. They drafted Jordan Love to be the future. The thing is, the present it doesn't seem to be going anywhere. Aaron Rodgers is playing tremendous football, right? Completion percentage is at a career high. He's being accurate down the field. He's stepped in and, and really efficiently run Matt LaFleur's offense, right? That Aaron Rodgers isn't on the way out, or he doesn't seem to be on the way out right now. And, and I heard yesterday on Fox Sports 1 when I woke up and I needed to clean my apartment. I needed to grocery shop and do laundry. And I just said, no, I'm not doing any of that. I'm going to watch TV instead. I ended up watching First Things First with Nick Wright. And he argued that, yes, the Packers general manager, Brian Gutekinds, should trade Jordan Love. If he keeps this up and they play well in the postseason, whether they make the Super Bowl or not, you absolutely have to consider trading Jordan Love in this in, for this reason, I would argue, Jenna is you have to make, he's a first round pick. So you have to make a decision on him basically by the end of year three. That's the spot Baker, for example, is in this year. Are you going to pick up the fifth year option or not? 
If Rodgers shows no signs that Love's going to get on the field in the next two years after this one, then you're going to end up probably having to trade him for 20 cents on the dollar or lose him for nothing. So, yeah, I absolutely, Hmm. not just because it would make Rodgers feel better, but because you can recoup some of the assets you squandered on that pick right now. First of all, it's a fascinating question, a fascinating topic. I don't agree with the single point that Nick Wright just made. Making Rodgers feel better, I don't care about. I don't think anybody should care about that, right? It's the Packers' job. It's the front office's job to put talent around Aaron Rodgers and and improve the team and protect the team's future. I don't don't care how Aaron Rodgers feels. He seems to be doing just fine, right? And and recouping assets, if you wait to trade him, you're only going to get 20 cents on the dollar as opposed to to right now when you what? Are going to get 30 cents on the dollar? Who is trading for Jordan Love right now? And who is willing to give up anything better than a third or a fourth round pick, which compared to the first rounder and the fourth rounder they gave up to got him, that is 20 cents on the dollar. The idea that they need to move off of him now because his value is plummeting is absurd. Well, he's a first round pick, so you got to make a, a decision, right? Well, do you really? I don't I don't think you do, right? I think Baker Mayfield and Jordan Love are, are in slightly different positions, slightly different players, very different in organizations. I don't know. I I disagreed with everything Nick Wright said, but I I think the conversation is fascinating. And I want to tackle both of these quarterbacks separately, starting with Aaron Rodgers, who isn't, I guess, in a a literal sense, he's not getting tackled this year. He's getting pressured at a rate of like 3.5%. So we can tackle the topic. Aaron Rodgers, the actual man on the football field, isn't getting tackled at all this year. Aaron Rodgers, what's going on with, with Rodgers? Well, I think it's important to keep in mind that even though he's playing great right now, and I just extensively talked about all the different ways he's playing well right now, that doesn't mean that he's going to continue to play super well. I think we need to remember that, right? Like, his play could take a dive next week. It could take a dive this offseason. And I got some texts yesterday. They're saying, well, Rodgers, he's going to keep playing like this, right? It looks like he's going to play like this for a couple more years. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's all assumption. All assumption. Aaron Rodgers starting next week could start to show his age, could get injured, right? We don't know. It's up in the air. So the idea that he's playing great this year, therefore he will continue to play great next year and the year after, that's, that's unknown. That's an assumption. I, You know what they say about assumptions. Right? My belief is that franchises owe their franchise quarterbacks to an extent, right? Especially if they win Super Bowls or MVPs, of which Aaron Rodgers has won both. I think franchises owe their quarterbacks, meaning if Aaron Rodgers wants to play for four more years and he wants to retire as a Packer, the Packers owe him the opportunity to play for four more years and to retire as a Packer, even if it's not what's in the best interest of the Packers. Now, that's not the Packer, That's not the route that the Packers are going to go, right? That, that's not what they're going to do because they're going to move off of Rodgers before then. They're going to get the next guy in here. They're not going to allow their franchise to take a dip just because Aaron Rodgers wants to retire and, and have a nice send-off. Now, if I was in charge of the Packers, I, I would allow Aaron Rodgers to do so because I think you owe your franchise quarterback to an extent Aaron Rodgers has won MVPs. He's won a Super Bowl. I I think he has earned the right to go out the way that he wants. That's not the direction the Packers are going. So they're either going to end up cutting him or trading him at some point. Now, I don't think it makes sense financially to trade him this offseason because you don't save that much money. The only reason you would trade him this offseason is if you can get a haul, a huge return that's not going to be available a year later. Right? Like if the Niners come calling this offseason and say, hey, we want Aaron Rodgers. We'll give you this, 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 this. But we're not waiting until next year. We're doing it now. Okay, well, then, then, you know, maybe. Maybe you consider it. I, once again, am under the belief that franchises owe their, 
franchise quarterbacks just a little bit. I, I think they owe him to trade him somewhere desirable or to cut him loose completely and let him make his own choice. I don't think the Packers should trade him to Jacksonville, for example. I think that would be really unfair to Aaron Rodgers. Right? I don't think they should trade him to, I don't know, what would be... What would be the worst possible? I mean, the Jets, they're at least in New York, right? Like, I think Aaron Rodgers should have a say in where he goes if the Packers want to cut him loose or trade him. I think he's earned that much. I think he's earned the right to play out his career with the Packers and go out on his own terms, but the Packers have decided they have other plans. We'll see. Let's talk Brewers made a couple of moves yesterday. We'll break those down coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Thanks for tuning in. David Gasper reviewing the brew coming up in about 10 or 12 minutes. It's a great day. It is an amazing day in the state of Wisconsin. An amazing day to be speaking on sports radio, listening to sports radio, because we have baseball news. And I love talking about my Green Bay Packers and my Milwaukee Bucks. And it's fun watching them blow out the Bears on Sunday night football. But I, if you're like me, Nothing quite hits the spot like talking about baseball. What about the third baseman? How's their bullpen looking? What do they got in the farm system? Like talking baseball, chef's kiss. There's nothing better. And I'm glad we have a little baseball brewers news to talk about today. If you want to send me your thoughts, you can text me 608-796-2558. Trish, thanks for reaching out. Dan from Reedstown. Dan, I cannot wait. Cannot wait. For January 1st, for a lot of reasons, because 2020 needs to end. But I also can't wait for January 1st so I can get back out into the Driftless region and do some fly fishing. And I will be back down in Reedstown the second that we have a sunny Saturday that I can come fly fish once the season opens in January. So I hope to make a stop down in Reedstown. Well, I'm not going to stop anywhere. I'm going to avoid people like the plague. That's what's so great about Reedstown and the rest of the Driftless region is I can go stand in a creek and fish for trout and not have to deal with people. Thank you for reaching out, Dan, and Trish, and Rob. Appreciate the texts, 608-796-2558. Okay, the Brewers made a bunch of moves last night. It was a very busy night for baseball because the tender deadline was last night. I love some of these moves. I'm indifferent on others, and there's one move that I absolutely hate. And seeing I'm doing my best to be really positive this week, I want to keep that that positive energy thing going. I want to start with my favorite move. I want to run through three or four of these, get my thoughts out into the ether, Right, So you can hear my opinions and my takes and we can discuss them. And then we'll take a break and we'll hear from David Gasper from Reviewing the Brew. And he will no doubt bring some common sense uh, to the show and he'll probably disagree with everything I say. Let's start with my favorite move. That was the move to bring Orlando Arcia back. He stays with the Brewers on a one-year, $2 million deal to avoid arbitration. Orlando Arcia actually took a pay cut. He was slated to make up to three, right? They settle at two and it's a non-guaranteed deal. So the Brewers could cut him. If Orlando RC is bad and he doesn't outright win that shortstop spot, they could cut him and save $2 million. That should be some solid motivation for Orlando RC because it isn't exactly a great time to be a free agent. Nobody's spending money. Not just the cheap Brewers. Nobody's spending money. Right? And Orlando RC, in my opinion, I have decided that he was the Brewers' 2020 MVP. Right? And he's one of their, their franchise postseason greats. Nobody has been as good in the postseason, at least in my lifetime, as Orlando Arcia. I want him back. I'm glad the Brewers brought him back, even if it cost him $2 million. 
and they settled to avoid arbitration. Here's the question, always. Do we get rid of good players? The answer, no. Orlando RC is a good player. Don't get rid of him. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. Glad Orlando RC is back with the Brewers. Manny Pena, another deal I really like. One year, just over a million and a half. Very manageable. Not an overwhelming contract. No long-term commitment because David Stearns has commitment issues. I get it. You don't want to be locked into a multi-year contract. Okay, fine. A lot of guys have commitment issues, David. It's not just you, so I understand. Manny Pena was great two years ago when Yasmani Grandal struggled a little bit down the stretch. He was great last year when Omar Narvaez, one of their huge marquee offseason signings. He's great when Narvaez struggled as well. I think it's a positive sign that if a player continues to shine, even when the organization is trying their best to replace him, that's a good sign. That's a player that I want on my team. Two years ago, the Brewers said, ah, Manny Pena, not good enough. We want to get Yasmani Grandal too. Manny Pena was still really good. That's an awesome sign. And then the next year, they're like, ah, Grandal's gone, but Manny Pena, you're still not good enough. We're going to go sign Omar Narvaez, right? I Still was good last year. I don't think Craig Council played him enough. Manny Pena was still good last year. That's a great sign, right? And once again, the million-dollar question. Do we get rid of good players? The answer, no. Manny Pena is a good player. Don't let him go. I like the Manny Pena deal. They also brought Omar Narvaez back. I'm I'm indifferent on this deal, whatever. I, I, I would rather hold on to players than let players go, right? The Brewers don't exactly have a lot of money to spend or money they're willing to spend. So if you can keep a guy, I'm always down to keep a guy. And, and Manny Pena has been best the last few years with a running mate, right? When he's had Narvaez or had, had Grandal uh, to kind of platoon or, or to split starts and split time at catcher. And look at it this way. This is a silver lining. Omar Narvaez can't really get worse this year. He was he was trash last year. He was really, really bad. They settled at $2.5 million in arbitration. Right, he was eligible for up to three point one. Seems about right because nobody's nobody's going to Omar Narvaez max in arbitration this year. That's not going to happen. He only hit two home runs last year. How does that happen? I remember when Omar Narvaez was signed. Everyone was like, "Oh, great, great move, great move. Just get him into Miller Park, his short short porch and in right field, and it'll it'll be great." Well, he hit two home runs. So silver lining, he can't get much worse this year. He's a good enough player. I'm glad the Brewers brought him back. Right, they didn't give up on him. After only one year. Now, the move that really ruined my week. Then we'll take a break to talk to David Gasper. The Brewers traded Corey Knebel. They traded him for cash and a player to be named later, which seems like a scene from Moneyball. Yeah, my manager won't play the guy I want. Okay, well, we're going to trade him. Yeah, Corey Knebel. Yeah, just give me a reliever in cash. Whatever, take him. That's the kind of deal they got for Corey Knebel. Corey Knebel was set to make over $5 million in the final year of his deal. Now, that doesn't seem unmanageable to me. Right, And given that Orlando Arce is in the final year of his deal, it's not guaranteed. That's a motivational tool, but I guess we don't apply that same logic to Corey Knebel. Even though he's in the last year of his deal, I, I think Corey Knebel would be poised to have a career year. right? Get another contract. But no, I guess the Brewers, they weren't in on that logic the way they were in on that logic with Orlando Arcea. Now, some folks argue correctly that the Brewers weren't going to pay Corey Knebel in the first place, so you might as well trade him and get something for him. I don't disagree with that logic. I disagree with the idea that the Brewers shouldn't pay Corey Knebel. They should absolutely pay Corey Knebel. Absolutely fork over just over five. It's five million and change. It's like five and a quarter million dollars. Absolutely. 100% pay that for Corey Knebel. This idea that, oh, you got to get something for him. How about getting 65 appearances from him next season? That's what I would prefer. I would love to get that out of Corey Knebel. Not a player to be named later in a bag full of money. So Mark Atanasio can, I don't know, go hoard it under his desk, not spend it on any help. 
for Craig Council and the rest of this team. Corey Knebel is worth so much more to the Brewers on the field than he is on the trade block. And that's what's disappointing because the Brewers can maximize relievers. Craig Council can maximize relievers. And David Stern still looked at Corey Knebel as an asset and said, no, let's trade him away. Trading away Corey Knebel from the Brewers and from Craig Council is like, it's like taking away one of Stevie Ray Vaughan's guitars. Like you just don't, like, no. No. Like, that, that's his thing. Guitar is his thing. Don't take away a guitar. Like, Emeril Lagasse, Bobby Flay, right? Great chefs. Iron Chef, Food Network Chef. It's like, oh, we're going to take away one of their chef's knife. No. Like, t- take away anything else. Don't take away their chef knife. Like, that's, that's what they're great at. Like, Jerry Lee Lewis. It'd be like taking away his piano. No. Take away anything else. Don't take away the one thing. Craig Council is best with relievers. That's his thing. Don't take them away. And yet they traded him away for a player we don't even know in a bag of money. Great. Ruined my week. Let's talk to David Gasper, editor-in-chief of Reviewing the Brew, about these Brewers moves coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. My name is Grant Bills. Thanks for hanging out. Talking Packers coming up after 5 o'clock. And we will speak with our good friend, Radio Joe, executive producer of the Bill Michaels Show and one of Wisconsin's biggest celebrities. We'll talk to, we'll talk to him coming up at 5.30. We're just getting started and we're talking Brewers baseball and we brought in some reinforcements, some help today. Good friend of the show and uh, editor at Reviewing the Brew, that's David Gasper. Now, Gasper, it's not that I don't want to make small talk. I, I do. Um, I would love to make small talk, <laughs> but I... Our time is short, and I, like here's my here's my question: Do you want to make small talk about Orlando Arcia and BS about that, or do you just want to get right into talking about Corey Knebel? What would you prefer? Uh, we, we can get right into Corey Knebel. We we could do whatever you want, man. It's your oh, show. Oh, okay, yeah, I hate it when guests tell me that. It's like, oh yeah, I am in charge. Like, <laughs> sound like sound like such a bait. I'm letting my guests control what we talk about. Well, let's let's talk about Corey Knebel. Okay, I read your piece. I understand your logic. Maybe just explain to us. Uh, the context in which the Brewers decided to make this move. What went into this decision? Because it surprised a lot of Brewers fans, right? But the logic isn't necessarily wrong. Like, the Brewers had a decision-making process when they made this move. Can you try to lay that out and explain that for us? Yeah, so essentially what was uh, going to happen was that Corey Knable was about to be non-tendered. Uh, the, the reports had been uh, on Twitter throughout the night that Corey Knable was going to be non-tendered, that the Brewers had made that decision. Uh, so if that happened, he would have immediately become a free agent. And instead, before they uh, could officially non-tender him, the Dodgers called David Stearns and uh, they offered a, a trade. They said, we'll give you a player to be named later or cash. We'll give you something here to compensate you for Corey Knable and that way we can get Knable and we don't have to fight uh, eight or ten other teams to sign Corey Knable in free agency. So we'll give you a player. We'll give you something in return for uh, an all-star reliever, a guy who that you know can be a, a closer, a, a dominant closer, and we'll give you something for him and we'll, we'll take him off your hands. And David Stearns is, is looking at it. It's like I could either lose a top-notch reliever for absolutely nothing, or I could get something back for him. So David Stearns took the deal, and the Brewers are going to be getting a, a player to be named later or cash considerations back, and Corey Knable's on his way to Los Angeles. Okay, so Gasper, you did a wonderful job explaining that, by the way. Thank you. But the, way you. the way you explained it, you're, you're doing David Stearns a little bit of a favor here, right? I'm not, and I'm not blaming you, <laughs> but you made it sound like there are only two choices here. Lose Corey Knable for nothing 
or trade Corey Knable to L.A. There is a third option. They just could have tendered him and paid for the last year of his contract, which was $5 million. Why was that never even in the cards? Can you explain that to me? Because that's that's what I'm frustrated about. It's not the trade. Like, sure, if you're, if you're going to let him go, get something for him. I understand that logic. That's smart. But why were we letting him go in the first place? Yeah, so uh, for Corey Knable, um, he was really hurt by the pandemic-shortened season. Mm-hmm. He, he was a guy, I mean, coming off Tommy John surgery, he was probably going to be back. Um, he, he was going to, you know, he was making his starts or, or making his appearances in spring training. He, he was working his way back. Likely would have spent the first month of the year or so on a rehab assignment. He would have been down in Biloxi or Carolina or San Antonio, somewhere warm on a rehab assignment for a month or so in competitive games, competitive environments, and instead, that all got shut down right when he was about to, to be getting back to 100%. So then when it comes down to the shortened season, Knable, uh, he didn't have any place to go on a rehab assignment. He essentially had to have his first month of the regular season on a rehab assignment in the big leagues. Uh, he wasn't able to be at 100% velocity-wise. He had to go on the injured list, and, and then he came back, and he was really kind of closer to, to – his normal self. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had fixed the the issues in his delivery. He had gotten his velocity back up to, to where it should have been. And he really was his old self again, but he was only able to do that for three weeks. And instead of being able to do that for four months, like he would have if it was a normal season. So there, there just wasn't a large enough sample size that there wasn't large enough uh, amount of data for the Brewers to know if Corey Knable is actually going to be back at 100% and be that good for next year at five and one-eighth million or whatever salary would have been. And uh, w- with the payroll restraints, obviously, that they're going to be coming out of 2020 because there were no fans, no ticket sales, all, all the revenues down, budgets are going to be tighter across the board. The, the Brewers really kind of had to, to make that choice where $5 million is a little too much to pay for uh, Corey Knable. But if this was not a, a shortened season, if we had 162 games, full stadiums, Corey Knable 100% would have gotten tendered a contract. But with, with the way everything uh, shook out in 2020, it, it was really kind of the only option left. I don't know what to. I don't know what to say about this because you make great points. I, I hear you. <laughs> I hear you 100%, and you're laying out everything perfectly. I just, by the way, David Gasper, if you're just joining us executive editor, big man in charge, reviewing the brew. I, I What bothers me is it's $5 million. It's $5 million for a yeah. reliever they know and trust, somebody who's worked really well with Craig Council, and Craig Council's been able to move him around from closer to setup man. They, they used him as a closer for the starter in 2018 when he would come in in the fifth or the sixth inning. He was great there. I just don't understand how they could better spend $5 million. Like, I, I don't know. Okay, you save that five. How can you better invest $5 million than in Corey Knable? I think that's the the best return on investment they're going to get. The best money the Brewers can spend is on relievers because relievers in this Brewers team under Craig Council, they've translated to wins. And if they're not willing to pay Corey Knable, is, is this it? Or are we just going to shed payroll and not make any moves this offseason? Because that's really disappointing, even well, considering the circumstances. Yeah. You don't have to to pay big money for relievers to to get production out of relievers. I mean, those are guys. I mean, the Brewers got 
Justin Topa, he was a minor league free agent that was in the independent ball for a couple years. They signed him. I mean, he he came in. He was great. The Brewers are, are really high on Topa. They, they really believe that they found something in him. You got Drew Rasmussen, who's um, was just a, a six-round pick a couple of years ago. He, he's going to come up, and he's going to be really good. Devin Williams, uh, he's available for very cheap, and, and he's been very good. It, it's not necessarily spending big money on relievers that – uh, gets you success. The Colorado Rockies tried that a couple of years ago. They spent over $100 million on several different big-time relievers to bring them into Colorado, and they all bombed, every single one of them. Mm-hmm. You, even if you had Craig Council or, or not with those guys, re, re, the relief market, relievers in general, are such a volatile position year to year. The, the amount of guys that can have really good years and then really bad years the next, it, it's ridiculous. So spending big money on, on relievers is isn't always necessarily going to be the best uh, thing to do and the best way to utilize the the money that you have, especially the limited money that the Brewers are going to have to have in 2021. Well, maybe this is an unfair question, Gasper, but at least in the baseball realm, in the context of Major League Baseball, do you believe $5 million to be big money? Like, I, I wish I could have a bunch of examples in front of me right now, but Kenley Jansen, for example, is making 20. He's making $20 million right. a year. Five years, or excuse me, one year, for five million bucks of Corey Knable, I even if he's terrible, like I can go to sleep at night knowing that a five million dollar chance on a great reliever, like I would have been okay with that. I, I I guess I agree with you and and we could go back and forth about this all day. I basically what I'm saying is the brewers are cheap, and that bothers me. Yeah. Because right now they well, finally go ahead, Gasper. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Big money is is relative, really. It depends on the market that you have and the the ownership um, that, that you have and the money that you have coming in. So, I mean, the Dodgers, I mean, they get, you know, a couple hundred million dollars a year and just from their television contract alone. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Brewers don't get that kind of money. Plus, also, uh, I, I'm not sure if you know this or even if a lot of people know this, but the Brewers did not get revenue-sharing money in 2020, and there's a good chance that there will not be revenue-sharing money in 2021 either. So revenue-sharing is where the big market teams like the Yankees, the Dodgers, they essentially pay money. It's, it's part of their profits or part of their revenue that they share with the smaller market organizations like the Brewers, and that gives the Brewers tens of millions of dollars a year. The Brewers did not get that this year, and they might not get that next year, and that's money that they use uh, to to run up these payrolls and to pay these guys like Corey Knable. So with that money uh, not having been there this past year and the fact that they don't know if it's going to be there next year, uh, I, I think that makes it really tough on uh, the Brewers trying to figure out how much money that they can actually spend and and where they can actually ex- extend themselves to, to keep players. Yes, excellent context, excellent explanation. I understand where you're coming from, and I understand the challenges on the Brewers. I, I just... I just hate seeing a guy like Corey Knable go, right? Because I see $5 million, and in the grand scheme of sports, that's not a ton for the Brewers, right? It's certainly a lot more than the Dodgers. Final question for you, Gasper. I'll just open the door wide open. Between Arcia, Narvaez, Pena, Vogelback, which one of those players returning do you think makes the biggest difference? Which one of those names are you most excited about? If the designated hitter comes back, I'm really excited to see what Daniel Vogelbach can do uh, for the Brewers. I mean, big left-handed hitter. Um, the Brewers see him as a designated hitter for the most part, so I don't really anticipate him playing it at first base that much. But having him a full year 
uh, in Milwaukee. If he can continue hitting like he did in September, uh, that, that's someone I'm really excited about. And Omar, Omar Narvaez as well. I mean, he had a down year uh, in 2020 offensively. A lot of guys had down years, Christian Yelich included. And it, it could have just been not having video to watch. It, it could have been not having fans. It, it could have been a, a wide number of things. But Omar Narvaez has proven himself to be a quality major league hitter for four or five years now. He, he's consistently been a, a 270, 280 type hitter. And that's someone that with, with a full year with fans and, and everything, I, I think Omar Narvaez is someone that is really going to be a, a much better player in 2021. Plus, he made the defensive improvements this year. Mm-hmm. So now next year, it, it's just kind of all about the offense. So Omar Narvaez is someone that I'm excited to see if he's able to uh, hold that job for a while going forward in 2021. Well, and I think it's a good compliment with Manny Pena. I think Manny Pena is best when he has someone with him alongside, right? He was great with Grandal. He was good with Narvaez last year. And I, I kind of like your explanation, which is what I said back at 430. Like, sure, we don't love Narvaez, but he can't get worse this year. Like, you can't have a worse season, yeah. pro- probably, yeah. hopefully, knock on wood. He can't get worse this year, so there's nowhere to go but up. Gasper, we're up against it. I appreciate the time and the context about Corey Knable because I just I just like to get mad, and, and sometimes we need details. We need context <laughs> and perspective, and you did an excellent job bringing that today. So I, I appreciate, uh, appreciate you. Excuse me. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime, man. Let me know. Yeah, have a good one. That's David Gasper reviewing the brew. Uh, they just did a podcast with Adam McAlvey, who has been a guest on the show as well. So a bunch of smart voices on the Brewers. And if you're like me and you're starved for Brewers conversation – and and Brewers talk and Brewers content this time of year. I, I really like Gasper's work. He lays it out there simply, right? There's a time for for long form writing, for long episodic pieces. Sometimes with baseball, between arbitration and negotiations and trades and cash consider, like just lay it out for me simply because baseball can get really complicated. And I appreciate concise writing. That's what David Gasper does, and you can find him on Twitter and at reviewing the brew. Okay, let's take a break. I want to get back into football just a little bit. Talk about the Bucks because they had media day. We got to know some new players, got to hear from Coach Bud, and we'll talk to our good friend Radio Joe coming up at 530 as well. A lot more of the Wisco Sports Show coming up next. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. My name is Grant Bills. I am uh, I'm the leader of this two-hour circus every night where we talk about Wisconsin sports. Appreciate you tuning in. You can text the show if you'd like, 608-796-2558. Find me on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. Our next guest, uh, one of my favorite guests. It's been a while since he's been on the show. Uh, One of Wisconsin's biggest celebrities. You hear him every day, uh, both on The Zone in Madison and our affiliate in Lacrosse WKTY. That's Radio Joe, executive producer of The Bill Michaels Show. Joe, how are you doing? I worry because you're such a hard worker, right? All you do is work, 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 working with Bill every day. Like, are you staying relaxed? Are you, are you finding ways to unwind in this stressful time? Uh, actually, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I can't do this anymore, but golf is always what I can unwind to. Yeah. And I golfed a lot this year. So, I mean, you know what? Like, in the scheme of things, it could always be worse. But, um, no, I, I'm, but I'm always busy. This week has been kind of annoying, mm-hmm. and I'm going to be talking about it tomorrow when I host for Bill. But I'm just getting tired of people's hypersensitivity to other people's takes. Oh, like what? Is there a take in particular? 
Well, you can you can go back into my Twitter at Radio Joe Sports. Uh, you can follow me, by the way, if you're listening out there. Nice. Uh, but but no, there was a controversial tweet earlier this week, and it was about the draft. And I know people are really sick of hearing about the draft, but uh, it, it's okay to be critical of this year's draft class. Mm-hmm. Like there, and I've got some arguments behind it. I'm not. It's just some people love to twist my words around, and then they like to call you a fraud, and you got no credibility, and all this other stuff. So I, I need other things to unwind, and this stuff certainly doesn't help. It just it just stays in your mind a little while longer. So I'm going to talk about all that tomorrow on the show and just try to get it out of my system. Well, I, I look forward to you having an opportunity to sit down and, and talk about it 10, 12, 15 minutes at a crack so you can really get all your thoughts and opinions out there. And it's difficult on Twitter, but let's start with the Packers since you went there. And I know the tweet that you're talking about. You got 714 likes, by the way. That's well done. That's, that's solid work. Just mentioning how John Runyon Jr. is the player that has contributed and played the most. I, I think... Packers fans need to be able to understand this, Joe, and and maybe this is where we struggle, right? When you're critical of this Packers draft, you're critical because they're not helping right now, right? But that doesn't mean in three or four years they won't be. Like, we need to be able to recognize that. We can can be upset about this draft in the here and now while also recognizing that in three or four years it could turn out to be great, right? And I think we're really having a difficult time understanding both of those facts at once. That's our problem. Exactly, and that was my point all along. This isn't, I'm not trying to rip Jordan Love himself. I'm not mm-hmm. trying to rip A.J. Dillon himself. I'm not trying to rip Josiah Nagar. I want all these guys to work out. Yes. These guys are Packers. They have G's on their helmets. I want them all to succeed. It's not a question of them. It's a question of the organization and how they address things in this draft to help their team win now. And granted, when you have a lot of draft picks, you are thinking about now, but you're also thinking about the future. And a lot of these picks were geared towards the future, and that's fine. But at the end of the day, the biggest weakness was your defense, and it was up front, and you did absolutely nothing, and you didn't have enough money to go out and spend anyway, and you completely neglected it in the draft. So the issue is it's the organization for failing to do that. And, yeah, the Green Bay Packers are 8-3. and three. Yeah, the Green Bay Packers could end up 13-3 and three and be in the same spot they were last season. But you need a defense, yeah. and that defense has to be able to make some stops. And, and right now I'm still trying to scratch my head as to whether or not this defense can improve or not. So I want to be a little bit critical of the Packers failing to address some certain areas. Yeah. So that's, that's the issue. Yeah, and I, and I think we need to understand that there's many different facets to a draft, right? We can look three, four years down the road while also admitting that Brian Gutekinds didn't draft for this year, right? Like, that's okay to admit right. while also being excited about the future. That's very difficult for Packers fans, I think, myself included sometimes, to wrap our minds around. But when you take calls and, and you get tweets about the Packers on the Bill Michaels Show every day, what's the number one topic right now? Is it the draft? Is it the schedule? Is it Aaron Rodgers? What's the the one hot-button issue that seems to always come up right now? Well, I I think it just comes down to simply, can the 2020 Green Bay Packers win a Super Bowl or not? Mm -hmm. And some people are going to look at last season's team and try to compare it to this season's team and say, okay, what's different? The, the, The only thing that's different is Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is playing at an MVP level. He, to me, he is the front runner for the MVP right now. And 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 that's and we're talking about today, based on where we are today. Now that could change in a couple of weeks. You could see Russell Wilson have 
um, kind of get himself back together because he's played like crap the last few weeks. Um, Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes is, is playing. He's starting to get red hot again, and he's playing really well. But I think Aaron Rodgers has been constant all season, and that's the difference between this year's Packers team and last year's Packers team. But again, people just worry that the Green Bay Packers this year are going to pull the same crap that they do every year where they play, they have a 12 and four, 13 and three season. And then they find a way to let you down in the playoffs because some other team is just a little bit better than you. And I guess that's the other difference. The NFC has a lot of good teams this year, but there's not a team that's like head over heels better than everyone else. Like last year, San Francisco was that team this year though. There's, seven different teams you could look at and say, hey, any one of these teams could be representing the NFC this year in the Super Bowl. So to me, granted, it comes down to this. I think if Aaron Rodgers carries this level of play into the postseason, and granted, he hasn't done this every year in the postseason. He hasn't played always at an MVP level in the postseason outside of 2010. So if we're talking about Aaron Rodgers playing at an MVP level in the playoffs all the way through, that to me could get the Packers back into the Super Bowl. The offense alone could carry this team, but that means you're going to have to score 35 to 40 points a game in order, in order to do it. Yeah, well, it's funny, Joe, because you you read my mind here. I, I want to let you know. So I, when I have guests on, I write a couple of questions down, but, you know, I'll be, I'll be extemporaneous, right? Like, I'll go off script. But I did write this question down, and I will read it to you verbatim. Uh, compare this Packers team and this season to last year. Do you feel better about this team's chances? I think a lot of fans expect this team to win a game or two, then lose in the NFC Championship a game uh, again. Do you think they can go a step further and get over the hump? So you answered that question. I didn't even have to ask it. So well done. You're a you're a true professional. Uh, Radio Joe produced her. Well, the that Bill also Michael means show. you're listening to my answer and you're not like you know <laughs> gazing off into space. Reading Twitter. Host- like to do that yeah exactly yeah yeah no it, no this is a very active conversation i might not be able to see you joe but we are uh, we're absolutely having an active uh two-party conversation here i i do want to talk about the bucks a tiny bit media day was today but we have an opportunity to talk brewers today with a couple of moves last night and i'm sure you host a three four hour show every day i you understand when there's brewers news it's fun to talk about the brewers when you have an opportunity to talk baseball i'm upset that the brewers traded Corey canable i'm not upset that they traded him i, I should i should Change my words there. I'm mad that they didn't tender him because I think $5 million for Corey Knable would have been an amazing investment for this Brewers team. They have a manager that uses relievers very well, right? Corey Knable's familiar. They, they know him. I, I just think that was a wasted opportunity. And if you have $5 million, I, I don't know if there's a better investment than investing in Corey Knable. What did you think about that move last night? So here's my thing. Like, I defend the Brewers, like, too much. Like, of all, like between the big three teams mm-hmm. in this state, I think I defend the Brewers more so than anyone because baseball is a different animal and the Brewers are always going to be at a disadvantage when it comes to payrolls and money. And and I, I've been defending David Stern because and Mark Adonacio for maybe maybe they should be spending more money. Maybe Mark Adonacio should be pulling more money out of his pocket. I, I've just said, look, they're a small market team. They operate on a certain budget. This is what the reality is. And now that you put COVID into it, and you've completely changed the whole marketplace now in baseball, the Brewers' payroll is probably going to go down. And I know that's not going to sit well with a lot of fans, but that's just that's the reality of it. So now you have to ask yourself, if your payroll is going to get slashed by, say, let's just say 20%, mm-hmm. can you pay $5 million to Corey Knable, who you're not really sure if he's going to ever 
be the same player again. Like, like in, when you look at it in that spectrum, sure. I, I, I can see why the Brewers said, ah, we can't do this. Now, am I a little bummed that of all teams they traded him to was Dodgers? Um, yeah, that's, that's a little irritating because, look, if there's any team I want to make a trade with, I actually am willing to make a trade with the Dodgers. Because the Dodgers have a hell of a farm system, they do. like you could you could really cash in with some good young talent. Like if you're going to make a deal with the Dodgers, you want to make sure that the Dodgers are going. It's going to hurt them. It's going to hurt their farm system. You want to make a deal with another contender. Give us some of your really good prospects. So in Corey Knebel's case, it's either a player to be named later or cash. And I got to think there's going to be a list of three, four, five guys that the Brewers can choose from. I would hope that one of the – or all five of those players have to be top 30 prospects. Yeah. They have to because that, that's the thing. Like, if Corey Knable can get his body back and be able to ramp up his fastball and be able to throw that sick cur- curveball again, then that's a huge win for the Dodgers. But the Dodgers have to give up something of value here in order to take a risk like that. So i got to think, whoever this player to be named later is, it's got to be at least a top 30 prospect. If it's not even that – I'm going to be a little disappointed because I feel like we got fleeced in that regard. Yeah, well, the Dodgers have a lot of good prospects to offer, right? If they have a bummy farm system, okay, well, then naturally you can't ask for number one. But the Dodgers' right. number 10 prospect might be equivalent to another team's number two, right? So you have to keep that in mind because it's relevant or uh, relative, excuse me, when you're talking about the Dodgers. Radio Joe, you hear him on the Bill Michaels Show every day, uh, joining us for just a couple of minutes on the Wisco Sports Show. I, I guess let's talk about the Bucks really quickly. And I don't have one specific question I want to ask you, Joe. I just, let's just go back to when they traded for Holiday, then they failed to trade for Bogdanovich, the draft, the free agent signings. With the Bucks starting up here in a couple of weeks, how do you feel? Because the last few weeks have been a whirlwind, right? Like, what has jumped out to you? What, what do you think the biggest story is? Like, what, what do you want to focus on right now with the Milwaukee Bucks? Go back to my tweet from like two hours ago. I, I couldn't believe what I saw. Did you see it? Oh, Did you Coach Bud. My... Yeah, we yeah. were just talking about that. Okay, and that's going to be something else I'm going to get into on the show tomorrow. I, what? How is it not championship or bust? How is that not the mindset? Mm-hmm. You, you had a team the last two years that was good enough to win it all, and you came up short. Letdown after letdown. And you have a superstar that is debating about whether or not he wants to sign the Supermax, and I think he will, but this is all based on winning championships here. Because if the Milwaukee Bucks can't win championships here, he ain't going to be here much longer. He's going to leave. So when Mike Budenholzer comes out and says that, well, we don't, we, we don't really believe in championship or bust, that's, I'm sorry, that is not the attitude to have. That is not the thing to be saying to the public right now. When your superstar is, that's all, that's all he's about. He wants to win a championship. You know how upset he gets when they come up short. You, you know how, how much it hits him. That winning a championship is everything for Giannis right now. And what, what did Giannis, how did Giannis, I'd be curious to see how Giannis reacted to that comment. Like, yeah. Coach Bud, we are here to win. That that is the goal. And he didn't say that before. He said championship or bust. He said, "Well, yeah, the goal every year is to win a championship." Well, Bud should have just stopped talking then. Yeah. But instead, he's making it sound like, "Okay, if we don't win a championship, but we're, we still ended up being the number one seed, we got to the Eastern Conference Finals. That is still that's something to be very proud of. Pat yourself on the back. Here's a trophy." 
No. No, 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 no. If you're the head coach, you should be telling the media and you should be telling your team, hey, we are here to win a title this year. That's what we're shooting for. We came up short the last couple of years. This year, three times a charm, it's payback. We are going to win it. And come on, do you think all these guys that the Bucks brought in, do you think those guys are walking and saying, oh, this is a rebuilding team. Oh, yeah, I'm just trying to get playing time. No, these guys came to Milwaukee because they want to win a title. That's what it is. So I just that really rubbed me the wrong way, and I know it rubbed a lot of Bucks fans the wrong way. Mm-hmm. That, that is the standard right now. The, the, the standard in, in Milwaukee and in Wisconsin when it comes to the Bucks is winning a championship, and that is the goal this year. That's what they got to do. Yeah, Scott Grosky tweeted out the quote from CBS 58, and it has 168 quote tweets. Like, this is getting shared big time. And, and the quote is, to think that a season is championship or bust is certainly not how we've approached it. And look, Coach Bud knows that their goal is a championship this year. The players know that. And I'm not going to overreact because it's just press conference speak. But then why not say it, right? Like, language is very powerful, right? To lay that mantra out there and and to let everyone know, yes, absolutely, that's why we're here, to speak it into existence. No, I'm with you. And Coach Bud, not the most popular man after the last two years in Milwaukee. I I think if not for Jason Kidd, we would really really hate Coach Bud, right? So I I just, I guess, I don't know. Can he not read a room? Did he not know that a comment like that was going to land poorly? It's just, it is such poor taste. And you just said it with Bud. You yeah. know, Bucks fans have been getting really mad at this guy now because when it comes to his coaching in the playoffs, this is his reputation now. That once we get into the playoffs, he's not a good coach because he doesn't make changes. He doesn't counter to what another coach is throwing at him as the series is going along. So you, you start to bundle all this together, and it's going to make a lot of Bucks fans angry. And again, Bucks fans, including myself, mm-hmm. are kind of sensitive right now. Like we are, we're on the edge of our seats because we 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 have this sense of doubt that Giannis may not sign here long term, or he'll sign for a couple of years and then leave. Like we we just we, we have been burned so many times, and I don't have to go through the whole history of all the bad beats and all the nice things that we've lost. But th- this was th- this. I I, I just I, I cannot handle when I see quotes like that from a head coach who just just seems so aloof and laissez-faire and it, spacey. It's, yes, it's just it, it is it's very frustrating and I am very sensitive when it comes to the Bucks. Like just I want at least one title before I die, you know? And if Giannis leaves, all pets are off. Yeah. And I don't know if I'll ever get one in my lifetime. Yeah, and I'm glad that you feel so strongly about this, Joe. And I'm excited to listen to you. You're filling in for Bill tomorrow, 10 to 2, both here in La Crosse and in Madison. I look forward to listening tomorrow and hearing you with the chance to uh, to really lay out your thoughts, not over the phone and not just a couple of minutes at a time. Joe, I appreciate you as always. If I don't talk to you, have a wonderful holidays, right? Stay healthy uh, and enjoy time with family, whether you're you know meeting up with them or doing it over Zoom. I appreciate you as always. Thanks again. Yeah, you as well, my friend, and I am filling in quite a bit for Bill this month, so I'll hit you up and get you on the show. Hey, if you need some some crazy opinions thrown around or some great analysis, I'm I'm always standing by. I'm always ready, Joe. So you just let me know. <laughs> well, some people some people think I'm a fraud, so let's just let's just do all hot takes. Huh? Yeah, well, well, yeah, we'll just do a segment <laughs> of satire. We can let those people feel right. That sounds fun. Yeah, it works for me. Thanks again, Joe. All right, you got it, Grant. Yeah, that's chosen Zola, the fraud himself. Look, I, I don't know. There's a lot of people I'd love to call a fraud. Joe is 
Joe's not one of them. You hear how, how much this means to him, right? How, how badly he wants to see the Bucks win, how important it is to him. Joe's not a fraud. I love when he gets fired up to the point where he can't get his words out, where he's just so angry. I, 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 can't, I can't believe it because I feel that. I, that's how I felt when I did the show after the Bucks lost in, in game three to the Heat and were essentially eliminated when they melted down in the fourth quarter. I'm like, I have so many things to say. I can't get the first word off the tip of my tongue. And I appreciate when Joe gets fired up and I can't wait to listen tomorrow. He's filling in for Bill. 10 to 2, both here in lacrosse and on our affiliate WOZN, The Zone in Madison. Let's take a break. Final couple of thoughts on the Bucks, the Badgers, the Pack. I don't really care, right? If you want to hit me up, you got something to say, let me know. 608-796-2558. We'll wrap up the Wisco Sports Show coming up after this.